This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the Tom Bernard Show. Filling in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with Mike Blinon. We'll be back. We've got a lot to talk about today on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions, or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, But I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw and Brian. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional body work costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. This is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm your host for the day, Dave Schrader. I'll be here with you today and tomorrow. Tommy B will be back in studio on Monday. Mike, I know you're a music fan. How do you? Uh, how do the Beatles fit into your spectrum of musical tastes? Uh, well, they're right near the top, along with Zeppelin and the Stones. And excellent. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got two cool guests that are going to join us a little bit later on in the show. Ron McNeil um, is the John Lennon 
of a great touring uh, group called the Fab Four. And I had a chance to see this show, I think it was probably about two years ago. I took my oldest son, uh, well, my oldest still living at home son, Nathan, um, to go check out the show. And it was phenomenal. Have you ever heard of the Fab Four? Uh, no. Oh, I think I have. Yeah, they've yeah. been on PBS a lot. They, they do these different shows. These guys are unbelievable, Mike. They they do this kind of uh, trajectory show where it starts off with them, Ed Sullivan-y time, and all the way through to the Let It Be final wrap-up of the Beatles. And they do a couple of the solo songs as well. But the mannerisms, the voices, the speaking, and the singing. You know, it's one thing to be able to imitate somebody. Yeah. Definitely. And then you've got guys like Jimmy Fallon who can knock it out of the park with imitations and singing imitations. To me, that seems like the hardest thing in the world to do. But these guys juggle look, sound, singing, everything. They're phenomenal. So Ron McNeil will join us a little bit later on in the show to discuss the the, uh, program coming up at the Medina Ballroom this Friday. And uh, we're also going to talk about George Harrison. He's 75 years old. That would have been his birthday coming up on February 25th. Well, you know, this past Friday, the 9th, was uh, 54 years since the Ed Sullivan show. Oh, really? Yep. 54 years already? Yep. Holy cow. February 9th. Man, you know what's an interesting, well, maybe just interesting to me, little deal. You've got uh, the Beatles, which were, you know, that first wave of that whole new British invasion coming in. Then you've got the Monkees, of course, which were a very popular um, American TV show based on the popularity of the Beatles. Davy Jones from the Monkees actually appeared on that same Ed Sullivan episode, doing a scene from uh, the play Oliver. He was touring all over the United States with that. Uh, he, he played the Artful Dodger, so it was kind of an interesting little tie that those two, you know, groups would would hold together from the beginning. Um, we've got some stories to cover. We'll talk Beatles. We'll talk fun stuff as as the show progresses. But uh, this story, I love this lead-in. We've got uh, some dumb crimes to chat about today. And, and this one, uh, you got to appreciate this, Mike, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you've got Minnesota Nice involved in a crime. Uh, we're going to St. Cloud, Minnesota for this story. A thief who had trouble restarting the car that he had just stolen ended up calling the vehicle's owner for help. <laughs> that might be extending your, uh, your luck a little too far. Edward Leroy Wilson stole the car outside of Minneapolis Walmart on Monday after the owner used an auto starter from inside the store. Now, Mike, is, I, I thought when I used to have an auto starter, if you got in the car yeah. and put your foot on the brake to put it into gear, it would automatically kill the car. Oh, that means I, I've never had one, so I've yeah, never had way, the luxury it, of... It was th- yeah, the only reason I had one was because it came built in the car, the, the previously owned vehicle that I purchased. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of like the theft deterrent deal. You could start the car. If somebody got into it and tried to put it in gear, the car would kill out. Uh, it says here, though, when the winter, uh, owner went outside, the car was gone and about an hour away at that time. USA, wow, that was really stupid. You're going to start your car and just leave it sitting out there idling for an hour? Yeah. Well, it is Minnesota, and it's been negative gajillion degrees, so I guess that, there is that. USA Today reports that later that night, the owner received a call from a from a woman who said a man was asking about the car. Wilson then got on the phone and identified himself as an employee at a glass repair shop. Wilson said he had parked the car but was unable to restart it and asked the owner to contact someone who could. Police responded to the scene of a suspicious person and found Wilson and the stolen car. According to the report, Wilson quickly realized he had made a mistake. He knew that it was not a good idea to get into that vehicle, the police report states. But yet he did. (laughs) And then had this stupid, 
idea to turn it off and then call for help from the owner to actually get it turned back on. Yeah. That's that's pushing the Minnesota nice just a little bit too much, don't you think? Yeah. That's just uh God. <laughs> uh car thievery. I don't get it. Uh I've never had luckily I've never had a car worth stealing. Yeah, me neither. So, so. <laughs> I've left my cars unlocked and and going and nobody's ever uh even attempted to mess with my vehicles. Uh, let's see, what other stories do we have here? Uh, fake Homeowners Association files liens. What's this? I love these weird ones. Fake, uh, let's see, Kansas City, Missouri for this one. For years, people living in a quiet neighborhood in the Northland ignored the invoices that arrived in their mail demanding payment to a homeowners association. Just want to let you know it's a scam, Tony Navarro said. He was told when he moved to the Summerfield subdivision, this is not an HOA neighborhood at all. There are no monthly fees. But then, just before Christmas, a $445 lien was filed against Navarro's home and more than 30 others. The reason? For not paying dues to the Summerfield Homeowners Association, an HOA that has no board and provides no services. <laughs> Why do I feel that there's uh, somebody like Polly Walnuts running this scam? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're going to come out there, pick up your garbage, and rake your yard from time to time, but we need that money. If you call the phone number for the company that runs the HOA, Columns Park LLC, it's some random guy that answers. <laughs> Neighbor Jesse Kotcher said, he told me he had the number for five years. He asked me to let the community know it's not him. That's how you know it's a scam. That's why neighbors called Fox 4 problem solvers. Even though the HOA may be fake, the liens are real. Neighbors have had to hire attorney Ed Ford to get them removed. The filing of fake liens and other documents has become a big problem in Missouri. The owners of a $4 million mansion in St. Louis had to go to court to prevent a woman they accused of filing a fake quit-claim deed from taking possession of their home. I was stunned, said Representative Kirk Matthews. I did not know this practice existed. Matthews has since learned it's easy to file fake documents because the recorder of deeds in each county doesn't have the manpower to check out the legitimacy of each claim. They're just stamping it, stamping it, and filing it, and it's done, said Matthews, who sponsored legislation to make filing fake documents a felony. Hopefully this bill will provide some real teeth for law enforcement to go after the people who are doing this. Meanwhile, back in Kansas City, problem solvers wanted to help the Summerfield neighborhood get rid of those liens. We paid a visit to Karen Sue Lovell, who filed the liens and is listed as manager of the Summerfield HOA in a letter that she sent to the homeowners. We tried to talk to Lovell, but she she wouldn't even open the door of her home. How rude is that? Speaking behind a window, she told us she had no comment. Later, Lovell's attorney wrote to Fox 4 that Lovell uh, thought the neighborhood should have an HOA to pay for the upkeep of the lot containing the neighborhood's drainage basin. Fox 4 problem solvers found it surprising that Lovell cared since she lived in Independence, far from the Summerfield neighborhood. (laughs) So she just takes it upon herself. See, this is the problem with people today, Mike. They're just not industrious enough to find new ways to make money. Right? No. We used to go out and shovel driveways or mow lawns for a living, right, to, to get that money as a kid. Now we're just going to create fake homeowners associations. I wonder, I wonder how many of the people in the neighborhood actually did pay. Because if there's only 30 people in the neighborhood that refused to, were there people making regular payments? Well, I suppose you would have to think, yeah, I mean, you know, you get a bill that looks official or legit right? and threatens, uh, you know. Yeah, but you know when you're buying into 
a, a location that has a homeowners association. Yeah, you would, I think. would think. Yeah. And what happens when you have problems? Do you call that fake homeowners association to get things handled? So my my lawn's not mowed. I've got an ice dam building up. I've got snow on my driveway and on my uh, steps. If you're not a homeowners association helping, what what? Oh, I don't get it. But you know, I guess there's a sucker born every day. People are going to spend their money and and pay these things. Uh, Al Roberts is in federal prison. Convicted of a $3 million in mortgage fraud, Roberts, a retired Kansas City school teacher, formed Columns Park, the company behind the HOA. Roberts also sent out the initial invoices to homeowners. Ford, the attorney hired by homeowners, said he spoke with Roberts after that first invoice arrived. I very nicely said, what the heck are you thinking, said Ford, who then informed Roberts that he was, what he was doing was illegal. I thought I had properly educated him about that, but apparently not, Ford said. A relative of Roberts told Fox 4 that Roberts is still running the company from his federal prison cell. Do you think, uh, I don't know, do you think Roberts is an, Al Roberts might be a new name for this guy? Yeah. Might it be Tony Sanguini or something? <laughs> no offense to your people, Molina, but I'm just saying. There could be uh, could be some mob ties to this idea. Yeah. A relative of Roberts told Fox 4 that Roberts is still running the company from federal prison. The good news is that with Ford's help, the liens have now been dismissed. However, neighbors are worried that there's nothing preventing it from happening again. How do you just file a lien on somebody's <laughs> property for a bill that doesn't <laughs> exist? Uh, you know, it, but you have to watch. I don't know. You're you're a young guy. Do you check your credit on a regular basis? Uh, yeah, I make sure. I mean, because I, I have heard in the past, though, every time you check it, it can affect it negatively. But Right. It can ding you. But if you yeah. if you do like once a year just to give it a cursory check, it's yeah. not a bad idea. That's why companies like LifeLock and everything are a pretty good idea to get involved in. And I'm, I'm not paid to advertise them at all. But I had an issue with my um, uh, credit. I started pulling some credit when I was trying to buy a house about 20 years ago, right? And all of a sudden, I start seeing that, you know, I've got a, a $900 unpaid bill for Tires Plus in uh, White Plains, New York. <laughs> like, what? And then I had a, I think it was like a seven or $800 unpaid electric bill in Rochester, Minnesota. Wow. So I start calling around. I'm like, um, you know, here's where I've lived. I lived in Chicago. I lived in Winona. And I've lived in, you know, Coon Rapids, Minnesota. So I've never been to White Plains, New York. I didn't live in Rochester, so how am I accumulating this? And here was the scary news, right? Well, we saw that you had some flaws in your credit report, and when we were looking for a David Schrader and we saw that you already had flaws, we just assumed it was you and put it to your file. (laughs) That was their response. So these credit bureau and agencies could just lump you together with Whatever, you know, okay, here's a Dave, here's a Mike Molina. Uh, well, you know, this Mike Molina in Minnesota, he, he's in debt. He's got some problems. So it's obviously this guy. Yeah. And there didn't have to be any rationale. So I had all these black marks on my my account. And I had to go through and then pay to have them removed. And when I contacted the companies, they're like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, well, sorry isn't going to cut it. I, I just had to pay $150 per account to get removed from my name. What are we going to do about this? And they're like, well, it's not us. It was, you know, Equifax or, or uh, what is it, Transworld or whatever. They were the ones associating it. So it was like this really weird double jeopardy deal, I, you know. They put it on my account, and then I had to pay to remove it. It was like this weird kind of uh, blackmail system going on. Yeah, I'm always a little skeptical, especially after Equifax, uh, after their breach last year. Right. It's, yeah. yeah, well, what is the – yeah, uh, that the breaches are coming – 
too fast and furious, man. And people don't even really seem to have a, a real understanding of what's going on when these breaches are taking place. I mean, how many major companies, Mike, in the last five years do you think have been breached for security? Oh, hundreds. I mean, and we're talking about, I mean, in the case of Equifax, though, it's even worse because they are the ones who are supposed to protect us from this happening. Right. And it's like, are you kidding me? Right. So you've got that going. You know, there's a company that that you can pay that does this search into the deep web, the dark web. And they'll find if your name and number and social security are being sold around. The, the kind of weird thing is I don't think it, it takes like a major act of Congress to get your social security number changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you even if you're a, a victim of fraud and these things are associated and attached to you, there's really nothing you can do about it but try to fight to get it off your account. And if your stuff is being sold in the deep web and in the, uh, the dark web, how, you know, that to me is astounding. How do we get out of that? I don't even know if you can. I mean, honestly, you would have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody high up the food chain in D.C. because likelihood you're not getting it off. And, and the thing is that a lot of these have been breached, but nothing's happened yet. That's true, too. It's kind of like that, that uh, jetliner that went missing, the MH70 or whatever it was. You know, the, Yeah. Was that stolen? Are they going to use that plane as you know another targeted missile like like nine eleven? This plane just vanished, you know. And now I know that they've said they found parts, but they they still haven't been able to associate it with that plane. So it does <laughs> makes me a little concerned. But you start thinking about that with your social security. Your, the stuff's out there; it's available. It hasn't been hit yet, but it, does it go to highest bidders? Are people using them in foreign countries? Is you know what is the real danger in somebody having breached these programs and getting access to that? And what can we do to protect ourselves on that? Have you heard much on that? I, you know, I mean, once it's stolen, what do we do to not have it affect us? People can open up accounts and do all kinds of nasty stuff. Yeah. I mean, look at what happened with uh, Wells Fargo. They even did it, and they're supposed to be one of the legit banks. Yeah, well, Wells Fargo, they were also creating fake accounts yeah, within yep. their own company. So it wasn't even like they were breached for that. They just, ah, it's, it's a weird world. Well, we've got some more dumb stories to share. We've got uh, some in, in interviews popping up on us in a few minutes. We'll get to that. Uh, stay tuned. Filling in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader. We'll be back with more of the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. If you've noticed your vision getting cloudy, blurry, or dim, or having more difficulty seeing at night, you could have cataracts. Tom here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they do much more? They do, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age where my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Of course, Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology and vision options available, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you've been told you have cataracts or you're wondering why things just aren't as clear as they used to be, call the experts at Whiting Clinic or go to whitingclinic.com to learn more. 
See the folks at Whiting Clinic in order to see your very best. And don't forget to tell them that I sent you. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader along with Mike Molina. We're taking a look at some dumb crimes, stupid criminals. So we got past our fake homeowners association, the easily hackable version of your life that, uh, that's scary to me. <laughs> People just have kind of open access to, to mess with you. And, and I think a lien really messes with your credit as well, doesn't it? Doesn't that hit you pretty big? Yeah, I believe so. Yikes. Yeah. All right, what's our next story up there? Uh, We've got, uh, oh yeah, Salt Lake City. A man was arrested Monday morning for attempting to rob a Big Daddy's pizza with a large metal pole, police said. Salt Lake City police said that 36-year-old Curtis Sims entered the store at uh, around 1.43 a.m. They said Smith entered the store wearing a large white garbage pack (laughs) and approached the cashier asking for money. Smith then produced what police called a large metal pole and swung it at the cashier, hitting him in the hand. The cashier alerted three other employees who came to the front of the store to confront Sims, who then ran out of the store. Employees left the store and ran after Sims. They chased the suspect and police, until police were able to take him into custody. Uh, Sims was booked into jail for aggravated robbery, police said. A, po- a white plastic bag is your... your is it, it, was he wearing it over his head? What? Okay, scroll up. Was there a picture of this guy dressed like this in the, in the costume he wore? Oh, there he is. Yeah, what? Yep. Oh, so he, oh, so he kind of put the bag over his head and just ninja warriored it so that yeah. his eyes are, are visible. And then he pulls out a big metal pole. you got to have some cojones in today's conceal and carry world to think that you're going to go into a place with just a, a metal pole and try to hold him up. Yeah. I mean, well, it's just like, you know, nothing good happens around 2 a.m. And, I mean, Salt Lake City, <laughs> you think it would be one of your safer places. This sounds like a story, you know. From somewhere else, but uh, I suppose. I worked at uh, Showbiz Pizza. That was kind of the predecessor to Chuck E. Cheese when I was in high school. And I'm uh, working. I used to make the pizzas. So I had a, a buddy of mine in the back who made the dough. Then I would make the pizzas, and then I'd pass them off to, to the other guy who would cut the pizzas, and we'd put them out there for everybody. And it was you wouldn't believe the business these Showbiz Pizzas had when it first opened up. And their pizzas, this was 1980s, right? And it was 20 bucks for a pie. <sighs> Right? For one pizza. And you get a pizza and a couple pitchers of pop. It was brutally expensive, but it was packed constantly because of all the games. Well, it was late night on a Friday night. We're probably about 45 minutes from close. Laura sticks her head into the little window between me and, and the front register, and she goes, we just got robbed. <laughs> and my buddy Sullivan, who was the guy cutting the pizzas, he had the big rocker knife. Mm-hmm. My manager opens the door, and the last thing he sees is the two of us going over the counter. And I used to have a leather, black leather apron. We were required to wear the leather apron or, you know, wear our aprons. I was the only one that had black leather. Everybody else had these really chintzy fabric ones. But I always wore it slung over my shoulder. So my boss walks out, and he sees us clearing the counter and the cape flapping behind me. He goes running outside. We're out in the parking lot sitting on the guy. We tackled him and sat on him in the, in the uh, parking lot till they called the police. Now, part of the story I didn't mention was there, we may have imbibed in some of the medical marijuana that was not exactly medical or legal at that time uh, during one of our breaks. So we were a little loopy, right? Not thinking what we had just done. We tackle this guy. The cops show up, okay? They pull into the lot. 
we're laughing because I'm bouncing on this guy. I'm sitting kind of between his shoulder blades. And I'm like, how's your night now? And I'm bouncing up and down on him. And we're laughing like two giddy idiots. The cops come walking up, and they're, they're putting their hands out. They're like, don't move. Don't get up. And we're looking at each other. We're like, we're, we're the employees. We tackled the guy. They're like, we're aware of that. Don't get up. They approach us real slowly, right? The cops come in on either side, and they're pushing this guy's shoulders down and then kind of straddling him. And then they say, okay, now get up. And the two of us are like, what the hell is going on? What hadn't even crossed our mind is how did he hold up the pizza place? So when we had tackled him, he had a gun in his hand. He fell and landed on the gun. So the way I was sitting, I was keeping him pinned. He couldn't move his arm out to get the gun out. And they, they were aware of what he was doing, so they had to hold him up. And then they bent each arm back and got him. And when they stood him up, there was the gun on the, on the uh, driveway. So that was my big excursion into uh, you know crime stopping. And the next day, we come into work. And we get pulled into the manager's office, and we both got suspended for a week. <laughs> but we were given a full week's pay. Okay. They're like, hey, we can't ever have you do that again. That's too dangerous. You can't attack you know, criminals. Yeah. So we come back in, but they changed my nameplate. At that point, I was known as a Batman at work. <laughs> so Because my, my bosses just got a kick out of the fact that when he jumped out, all he saw was the two of us hurtling the counter in the black leather apron flapping in the breeze behind me. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that was my big pizza hold-up story for you, Mike. But that was a little uh, bit more dangerous than a guy in a plastic bag and a, a big uh, metal pole. Well, you're lucky the guy uh, didn't have an accidental discharge of the weapon. Yeah. I mean, well, again, I wasn't even thinking. I, yeah. You know, you, we were high as kites, just idiots, and had no idea what we were doing. I just thought, oh, we got robbed. Let's go stop him. Uh, give me that story down there about the $5 and a bottle of cologne, would you? I'm, I'm always baffled by this. I've talked to a lot of police because this is the kind of story that just boggles my mind, right? Case of a San Francisco senior citizen accused of stealing $5 and a bottle of cologne from his neighborhood or from his neighbor reveals the obvious injustice of California's bail system and may finally lead to reform. Kenneth Humphrey has languished in San Francisco County Jail for more than 250 days. On a $350,000 bail, Mike, his charges include robbery and residential burglary for allegedly stepping into his neighbor's room in their senior housing complex. But in late January, a panel of state appeal court judges ordered a new bail hearing for the retired shipyard laborer. The panel also stated that the laws governing bail are the antithesis of what the Constitution requires before a person may be deprived of liberty. A defendant may not be imprisoned solely due to poverty, the court said. A revolutionary decision, if it's upheld, San Francisco is ground zero for the state's battle over bail. Since October, the city's public defenders have challenged bail amounts in virtually every criminal case, demanding that judges hold hearings to consider alternatives to incarceration and inquiries into their clients' financial circumstances. They have found a sympathetic audience in the state's appellate court judges who've ruled that Only an immediate threat to the public justifies setting unreachable bail amounts. Prosecutors and judges at the local level, however, continue to undermine these appellate decisions by exaggerating perceived public safety risks. Humphrey's case is extreme in the sense that it was a $5 crime that led to a several hundred thousand dollar bail being set. And even the district attorney concedes he poses no threat to society. Well, it depends on what the cologne was he stole. If he's going out with a little high karate, maybe it's better to keep him in stir. But every day, 
in every county criminal courthouse in California, prosecutors request sky-high bail amounts from judges who are happy to impose them. That makes a mockery of the presumption of innocence and equality before the law, as poor people accused of minor offenses wait in jail while wealthy people go free despite the seriousness of their charges. Money bail, as it's currently constituted, punishes poverty and too often results in coerced guilty pleas from those who can't get out of jail any other way. How did we get here, it says? Humphrey's incarceration is not an aberration or an accident. It stems instead from the unwillingness of our society, including the courts, the San Francisco panel wrote, to correct a deformity in our criminal justice system that close observers have long considered a blight. That blight persists as a a part of, uh, or in part, because of the for-profit bail industry. And it's a powerful lobby. The published opinion includes a devastating critique of arbitrary bail schedules, casts doubt on the increased reliance of opaque algorithmic risk assessment tools, articulates the staggering costs of uh, pretrial incarceration, and holds that the government must present clear and convincing evidence uh, of risk in order to detain someone before trial. In Humphrey's case, as in so many, the prosecutor presented no evidence that non-monetary conditions of release could not sufficiently protect public interests. The law, rooted in a precedent, is often slow to correct itself, and while the appellate court decision put a crack in the foundation of the bail system, it's up to the legislature to uh, come up with something new. Legislation is desperately needed, the appeal panel wrote. And as it happens, legislation is at hand. Senate Bill 10, which would effectively outlaw money bail, passed the state Senate and is now being held in committee and assembly. It just needs a handful more votes and governor's agreement to become a law. Humphrey is one of many people behind bars simply because he's poor, but he could be among the last. That is, That gave a little bit more insight into some of these cases, Mike, but I've heard stories where You've got somebody who drunk drives for the eighth time, smashes their car into a light post, right? They're in jail and out on bail, 1500 bucks. Yeah. Right? You've got a guy who goes in and shoplifts, you know, two cans of tuna, and he's stuck, two, you know, 200 days in jail with a $200,000 fine. And I've asked, and they're like, well, you don't know what their background is. Maybe this is their 18th offense. And then you look into the story and no. This is their first offense. I said, how do you end up regulating these? And I've talked to some of the different police departments, and they say it's it's just dependent on the court systems. But you can go in and out of jail. I got, um, I think I mentioned, I got pulled over for a Checkpoint Charlie a number of years ago. They were pulling, like, every third car over when they used to be allowed to do that just to check you. And uh, I had a, a unpaid fine, so they brought me in. said, oh, you'll just come on in. We'll, we'll get you to pay the fine. We'll process you, and you'll be out tonight. I said, great. I had no record, Mike, none whatsoever, still don't. But I had no record at that point either. And they wouldn't let me out of jail. I was there all weekend waiting for my buddy to get bail on Monday morning because he couldn't get to his bank to get the money out until then. Meanwhile, Winona State uh, Police are on their way to pick me up Monday morning to take me back for court So it was a, uh, to see who could get there to process me first. Meanwhile, I shared a drunk tank with, I think there were eight DUI drivers over the weekend that came in and out of my cell that were multiple DUI offenses, and they would be in and out, boom, lickety-split, $400, $200 fine, whatever it was, and they were out. Meanwhile, I was stuck there for a $1,500 fine for being a week late on a a payment that I owed with no record. And I was friends with the uh, public defender 
in uh, Anoka County at the time, and she she's now a judge. She said, Dave, I don't know what is going on here, but I can't even use my name to get you out. There's like some bone of contention on this case. They won't budge on it. And I've looked at other cases because that surprised me. I'm like, what's going on? Why, if you have no record, there's nothing you've done wrong, and you're a week late on a, on a you know $100 payment, do we need to keep you in on $1,500 bail? You know, And it, it was obscene. Some of these laws just do not seem predicated on anything logical in today's society. No, and I've heard it also comes down to even just, like you said, county by county. Right. When it comes across uh, in terms of the state, because uh, I won't mention what particular county, but there is one where I had a friend who had an incident in that county, and uh, it was one of, I think it may be the only county where he had to go before a judge before they would release him. He could not be released ROR or uh, paying bail or whatever. He had to go see a judge. Does this county rhyme with Schmenepin? No. Okay. <laughs> Schmakota? <laughs> nope, nope. But, uh, yeah, it was just bizarre. Because I, I had asked uh, a lawyer friend, and his dad was actually an attorney, but he could not represent him um, in that particular case. But, yeah, he had to go before a judge before they would ever release him. And I was like, are you kidding me? That's crazy. Yeah, the different laws. And then, you know what's really strange to me, though, is you see something like this and it gets exposed, right? Mm-hmm. And all that needs is the governor to sign off on it. Yeah. And then you read these cases where the governor refused to sign off on it. Or you've got judges that are fighting it. To what end? What is the... And I understand if you're trying to keep, you know, real hardened criminals like, you know, drug dealers, uh, uh, pimps, rapists, you know, killers off the road. And I understand if they're wealthy and maybe you have a concern that they're going to be a flight risk, right? That you set these inordinately high bails. But when you're getting somebody who's, you know shoplifting because they're poor and they're just trying to get food home for their family and their bail is higher than somebody that was busted for, you know, five pounds of crack. It just, I don't understand the the whole relation to that. And the court systems are so broken and flawed. And yeah, we have a great judicial system in the country if things go your way, mm-hmm. right? But these cases and a lot of uh, the cases we're hearing about, if you are poor, if you are a minority, uh, you can end up going to jail on the because the object wasn't to get justice. It was for either the prosecutor or the defense to win, not to get justice, but to win that case so they can have that check mark on their docket as, look what I was able to accomplish, right? That's scary. And I know not all attorneys are like that. And, and there's great attorneys and great police officers and judges out there doing their hard work. Um, but I just think it's it's obscene that there are so many of these laws that are you know, archaic in nature and that we're not willing to make any changes and people are are suffering for this. We've got some uh, more dumb crimes. We've got a guest joining us in in the next segment. Stay tuned. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for Tom Bernard today and tomorrow. Tommy will be back on Monday. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first MyPillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. 
That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. What a bizarre song, but what a great song, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Been caught stealing. Uh, we've got a guest joining us in a few minutes, Tamara Taylor. Uh, give me that story. I want to see how to get arrested during Mardi Gras. We can set our goals finally, Mike. Yeah, for next year. Yeah, it's next one up. Yep, there we go. Yeah. How do you get arrested for Mardi Gras? Uh, the police are, are weighing in on this. Um, have you ever been to Mardi Gras? No. I've been no. to New Orleans. It's it's crazy, uh, even when it's not Mardi Gras. It says, uh, ask Nick Gernon, commander of the New Orleans Police Department, 8th District, and he'll tell you straight up, the police department puts up with a lot during Mardi Gras, but there are some surefire ways to get arrested. The 8th District encompasses part of the city's busiest areas, including the French Quarter, the CBD, and Mar- uh, what is that, Margini, or... Uh, So Gernon's officers learn quickly how to deal with some of the most challenging aspects of hosting visitors looking to party. And Mardi Gras is nothing if not a major party. Still, there are rules to this thing. People come here, we treat them like adults until they choose not to act like adults, Gernon said. In other places, you're treated almost like children. You can't do this, you can't do that. But here we let you do things because we expect you to act like an adult. But once you prove to us you cannot then we may have to uh, start taking enforcement action. In general, Gernon, who is uh, the the chief we were just talking about, said the 8th District officers will try not to make arrests during Mardi Gras. So if you find yourself in handcuffs, it's almost because the person won't stop doing whatever behavior we told them to stop. So every time an officer makes an arrest, he or she might be back at the station for a little while processing that arrest. So if you have 20 officers arresting somebody for every single thing that they could, that's 20 less police officers that you have standing on Bourbon Street, he said. So if something really bad happens, they're all at the station processing arrests for something that maybe could have gone by with a verbal warning. I sat down with Gernon, according to this article, uh, this week to chat about what are the things beyond the usual concerns and crimes officers face that'll get you in trouble during Mardi Gras? And I guess some of these are not a big surprise, right? Fighting. The concern, Gernon said, is that any fight could lead to something bigger. People can get hurt and things like that. So we're quick to jump in and break up fights and arrest persons who are in fights, he said, because if we just break them up and let them go away, they could run into one another again later. So they need almost that time out to cool down. Well, and I understand that, Mike, right? You're going to arrest the guys that are fighting because hotheads, 
Well, you've been in college. Have you ever been to a bar when a, when these skirmishes break out? Oh, yeah. I've been uh, known to throw down. I've been in a Oh, couple. really? <laughs> See, when I was a bouncer at a bar, you would have been my biggest yeah. nightmare. You're a big guy. I would not have to mess with you. Um, but fights were are one of the biggest. So I understand that. Um, we've got our guest on the line. Yep. We'll, we'll come back to that story and find out other ways to get yourself arrested at Mardi Gras so people can set their goals high for next year. Uh, is it Tamara or Tamara, Taylor? It's Tamara. Tamara, welcome to the show. Uh, she is uh, here joining us. She spent 11 years on the hit Fox show Bones and is starring now in Altered Carbon. It's uh, the new prof- high-profile series that launched last weekend on Netflix. Well, it's about time that you get a job and, and get serious about your career, Tamara. What are you? <laughs> you did Party <laughs> Thank of Five. You. I'm so glad I finally hunkered down and did it. <laughs> Party of Five, City of Angels, Hidden Hills, Lost, Numbers, CSI Miami, NCIS, Bones, and you had a role in Serenity, the movie spinoff of the cult hit Firefly. Um, also, uh, Senseless, uh, Halle, uh, Halle Berry introducing Dorothy Dandridge, and Tyler Perry's Diary of a Mad Black Woman. I wish you could just hold down a job, Tamara. What's wrong? <laughs> I know. You know what? I'm really, I'm, I'm not, uh, I've always, I've had trouble with it. I have trouble focusing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a pretty extensive and exciting uh, uh, resume to come out with. Um, Man, well, when you read it like that, it sounds pretty impressive. It's been a fun run. I bet. I bet. So Altered Carbon, i, I got to be honest with you, I have not seen the series yet. Um, have not seen it. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Boy, it's uh, it's a it's kind of a hard one to describe, but um, I'm I'll try. It's basically about humans three hundred and three hundred and some odd three hundred and fifty years in the future, who have developed um, a technology that enables us to download our personalities onto um, little like zip drives or, or memory chips, and um, so if something happens to uh, the body we were born in. Uh, you know, disease, car crash, something, just anything, you know, if something happens to the body, you can essentially pop out your stack or, you know, your personality and plug it into a brand new body. Um, So um, it's sort of allowing us to live forever. And the, you know, the the trick or the catch is that it's pretty expensive technology. So if you want a good new sleeve or body, um, you're, you know, you're going to pay for it. And, and what ends up happening is essentially the rich live forever and, you know. This doesn't sound like science fiction to gods me. And, and the common people um, don't. So what happens to humans when, you know, now these physical the ability to live forever. These physical bodies, these sleeves, are these like cloned bodies just waiting to have personality downloaded to them, or are they hijacking the poor and their physical forms and kind of rebooting them with, with uh, these personalities of the rich? Well, yeah, that's it's kind of interesting. You went straight for the real, you know, the, the straight for the humanity of it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there are clones that are very, very expensive. Again, only the super rich, which in this world. Um, in the book, they call, or in the series, they call them meths, or, which is short for Methuselahs. Um, the rich can afford to clone themselves, and that allows them to jump from, you know, clone to clone without what they call a personality frag, because they say every time you pop your uh, personality or stack into a new body, you've got to kind of adjust. There's almost like a jet lag period. Sure. Um, and with, uh, with, so those clones are made, and then you get 
you know, normal human bodies um, that do actually and can get hijacked on the black market um, for for a price. So it's it kind of becomes a dastardly thing where, you know. I feel bad for the poor bastard that would accidentally hijack my body. I think they're getting a deal, and it's not a good deal at all tomorrow. That's that's an awesome premise. I, I'm a, such a sci-fi nerd and a geek. I'm surprised I hadn't heard about the show yet. Uh, oh, and it's, it's fun. It's on Netflix. Um, is this is this another one of those where they've dumped the first 10, 13 episodes out there available to binge? Oh, yeah. They, uh, they dropped them or dumped them uh, on February 2nd, so they are all all available to watch. Oh, that's awesome. And and how many episodes total in there? Ten, ten episodes? Ten, yeah. You've certainly yeah. done quite a, a wide variety of acting and, and different skills. Do you like when you can get a chance to play a role like this set into a future or an existence that isn't real right now? And, and you know, there's kind of no boundaries as, as it would be if you were playing a contemporary show like Party of Five and, you know, what what's going yeah. on in, in, in regular know, time. You know, I'm a bit of a psych sci-fi geek myself, so I love being able to dive into, you know, the world of the future, because um, you get to make things up, <laughs> you know, because, um, I mean, like, in Altered Carbon, there are these things called Onis, which are essentially like wristwatches um, that are telephones, and they've got, like, a retinal uh, connection, so when someone calls you, you get to see them 3D, and, you know, your eye kind of lights up, and it's, it's fun to act things like that. <laughs> Wow, that is cool. There are kind of no bounds. There are no limits. Is there, in doing this type of work, getting a chance to kind of move from episodic to these these deals, then doing movies, is there a big change in the way you have to prepare for a role from a TV series, a regular ongoing series, as opposed to, you know, doing a one-off movie? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest change that I noticed is that um, because, you know, a series, like a Netflix series is more, um, a little more like a movie, and they have a lot more time to shoot 10 episodes. You know, they essentially have the time that we had on Bones to shoot 22 episodes. Mm-hmm. They, um, Netflix shoots 10 in. So, um, the, you know, the amount of time you really get to dive into a scene and, and play with it and dissect it and uh, explore it a little more like a film does. So it was it was fun in that regard, you know, and and Bones was kind of fun because it moved really fast. You kind of had to, you know, have your chops up and, you know, nail it in one or two takes because we were moving on. Let me ask you, too, about that episodic TV show coming off of Bones. Congratulations. Well, I think that's Fox's longest running drama series was 12 years. How right? crazy is that? That's great. It's so nuts. Did they, um, when you jump to that, to doing a show like Netflix, where it's a a smaller package, each episode is more, uh, they feel like films almost, right? I mean, they're a lot more contained. You've got a, you know, a broader scope to it. Do you think that that's a better way for TV to be um, taken in these kind of smaller doses as opposed to stretching a storyline over 22 or 24 episodes in a season? You know, it's tricky because I think that there's merit to both. I think with, uh, with the Netflix, model, you know, HBO with the cable model, mm-hmm. you get to, um, you essentially, you think, you get to tell a deeper story, because unlike having people go to the movie theater, you can't tell a 10-hour a story, you know, in a movie theater. Um, you got people for like a good two hours, and after that, they start getting antsy, they right. start shifting in their seats, 
And when you, you know, when you have them in their homes, you you got to think you got them for a good solid if you're doing well. They'll watch three episodes, four episodes at a time. Right. So that's a really long movie. You get to you you have them you know, wrapped for you know for a period of time, which allows you to tell a deeper story, a richer story, I think. Um, and with television, with with network television, I think that format allows um, people to pop in. You know, a you can you can plug into any episode of Bones, any season, not know who the characters are, and kind of go along with the story. Um, and also with network television, it allows for the um, for the delicious anticipation of waiting a week for the next episode. Right. I do. I, yeah. I got to be honest with you. I kind of miss that. When yeah, it's, it's it's and so thank God network has not gone away because I think there's value in it for sure. <laughs> I've yeah, I've had problems myself with the binging because I'll sit down and and you know and I fought like with shows like Dexter and even Firefly. Right, oh, everybody. Yeah. Oh, you've got to watch Firefly. You got to watch this, and I'm like, ah. Uh. And then I waited till you know, like on, on the show Dexter is probably a better example since Firefly was a quick in and out. Sadly, um, mm-hmm. I, I came into like a, a season five in Dexter, uh, so I, I power watched through those, and I was like so hooked. And I think I made it through five seasons in about two weeks. And then, oh yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah, then but then you have to wait eight months, nine months, a year until the next season comes around. And yep, that's the, that's the trickiest part. Right. So now that you know, that's like I just finished the you know watching the final episode of Altered Carbon. Now we've got to wait like another year and change for the the next season. That's got to be a concern too, as an actor, uh, because you've got. You want people to feel connected to this. In episodic TV, you can keep checking in on a weekly basis and and continue to further the story with your friends. When they're exactly. powered through in ten episodes in two days, because that's the way we watch TV now. Um, and I think it's funny you brought up the fact, you know, movies. People will go in for a two hour and twenty minute movie and they'll whine and complain. Two hours and twenty minutes. Oh my god! Hey, did you hear Stranger Things is out? And they'll sit and power through ten ten hours oh, in yeah. a three day or <laughs> two day span. Right. But the difference is they're on their couch. Right. You know, they get to go up and you know go go raid the fridge and be in their sweats and you know it's it's a whole different viewing experience. Totally. Well, Altered Carbon is available on Netflix. The series takes place over 350 years in the future, in the year 2384. And in the future, a person's memories have been put into a cortical stack, these storage devices of alien design, which have been reverse-engineered. Uh, and I love that that whole theory, because this seems to be touching on, on some of my favorite 80s sci-fi movies, everything from uh, Logan's Run to um, Free Jack, the movie with uh, Emilio Estevez and, and uh, Mick Jagger, where they, in the future, they're kind of hijacking people just before their death in the past. And then yep, and uploading exactly. the humanity really to it. <laughs> That's a fun reference, man. Yeah, and that was I love that series. That to me was is just a fun series to uh, that movie was a great one to watch. So this has got me excited to check it out. Plus, it's just about time to come out with another really good solid sci-fi series that we can continue to watch. I'm getting a little tired of the the tried and true series that have been out there and seem to be relying on on the past and not really working toward a future with the series. This is yeah, something exciting I and new. Too. And, you know, and, and uh, though, though we love zombies, a uh, nice, a nest, <laughs> and like a nice respite from zombies. Sure. Well, unless, of course, your cortical stacks start to uh, defrag again and people start... I love re- that you know the lingo, absolutely. Right. You start, you start uh, de-evolving de- into a uh, strange zombie-like appearance until somebody can fix your hard drive. I'll watch the series. We'll be talking about it on the show and going forward. Thank you so much for joining us today, tomorrow. Oh, 
thank you for having me. What a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Stay tuned, everybody. we got a lot more coming your way right here on the Tom Bernard Show.